0: What's up, mortals? This is awesome, Mr. Monsters, here to learn you a thing or two. Hope everyone is staying safe, given what's going on in the world right now. In honor of St. Patrick's Day, which recently passed, this episode will be a tale from Irish folklore. Weirdly enough, it fulfills a big-ass Irish stereotype, since the main character, Billy McDaniel, in case you needed a more Irish name, is mostly driven by his desire to drink everything and be wasted always. So this story starts out with young man, Billy McDaniel, who is worn out as welcome at the local pub. This dude has never met a bottle he didn't want to rush to the bottom of, getting bombed as often as possible. It's described as fearing for nothing but the want of drink, caring for nothing but who should pay for it, and think of nothing but how to make it fun over it. He also likes to fight. So since he doesn't give a shit about anything but booze, and he's always looking for a fight, Billy finds himself in the company of unsavory people more often than not. One night, he's stumbling around on a cold winter night, and he's talking to himself about how he wishes he had some good liquor to warm his soul. Out from the shadows, pops a little man with a giant silver buckles on his shoes and gold-bound three-cornered hat, holding a glass of liquor as big as himself. Man offers him a glass of fine whiskey, which Billy gladly accepts because he apparently didn't find anything off about a small man offering him an already poured glass of whiskey in the middle of the street. Billy knows about the good people, the fairy folk. He just doesn't give a shit. While some nerd might, you know, debate whether or not to drink the liquor, Billy was already drinking the whole thing and is like, wow, this is great. Thanks, random stranger, for the free booze. Stranger's like, oh, no, 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 this shit ain't free. I know you're a cheat, but you won't skimp on paying me. So let's do it. Be an honest man. Take out your purse. Billy's like, oh, you think I should pay you? You who is so small that I could pick you up and put you in my pocket? The little man's like, okay, that's how you want to play with Play it. Well, since you took my drink, you could repay me by being my servant for seven years and a day. How's that fucking work out for you? This better have been the best drink ever because slavery is a real intense price to pay for a little liquor. Frankly, it's the worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. Billy knows he fucked up because he can't help but feel obligated to follow the little man. He follows him all through the night without rest. Eventually, in the morning, the man tells Billy to return home and meet him in the fort field that night, or he will severely regret it. But, if you do a good job, you'll see that I'm actually a pretty great master. Billy agrees and meets his little master the next night. The guy's like, okay, go and get the horses. You need to put a saddle on one for me and one for you. We're going on a long trip tonight. Billy's like, uh, what the fuck are you talking about? You said meet me in a field. You didn't say I had to provide horses. Where's your stable? Man is like, don't ask me stupid questions, Billy. Just do as you're told. Go over to the bog and get two of the strongest rushes you can find. So Billy does as he's told, and he comes back and hands one to the little man. The little man's like, ah, yes, a fine horse indeed. Billy's like, hey, boss, I know I'm new to the whole slavery thing and all, but that's not a fucking horse. The little man is like, well, not yet, obviously. What do you think, I'm crazy or something? Now put this thing between your legs, like, and get up on the horse. And he's standing there, bent over with a rush between his legs, like the weirdos on college campuses who play Muggle Quidditch, just totally not being crazy or looking stupid at all. The guy says some magic words, and poof! The stick is now a big-ass horse, and he's sitting on it. Billy, being a total moron, put the reed between his legs upside down, and now when he says the magic words and it turned into a horse, he was sitting on it backwards. Fucking idiot, this guy. Like he's never turned a rush into a horse before. The horse takes off, not giving a shit if Billy is on it, the right way or not. So he's got to deal the entire trip backwards on this magic horse. Eventually, the two come to the gate of a nice little house. A nice big house. little man says, okay, now, Billy, you need to do exactly as you see me do. Like, follow real close. I know you're stupid. You don't even know the horse's head from its ass. I don't want you thinking that your head is your feet and standing on it. So the little man said some odd words, and Billy repeated them, and the two were whisked through the keyhole into the house, and then through several more keyholes until they landed in the wine cellar. The little man started drinking as much as he could, and Billy followed his example. He was like, holy shit, this is great! If we're gonna drink a lot, I am happy to be at your service. I love alcohol, and it's totally not a problematic lifestyle or anything. They went to several wine cellars that night. By the end of it, the little man sent Billy home and told him to return the next night, same time, same place. And so their adventures went. They would meet up in the fort field, turn rushes into horses, sneak into other people's wine cellars, and drink other people's wine all night. They did this all over the country until they had sampled everything east, west, north, and south. Then, one night when they met up, the master told Billy to bring three rushes instead of two, as they may have another person riding with them by the end of the night. Billy didn't question his master, he had long since learned not to do these things. He went, got an extra wash, and wondered if they would have another servant traveling with them. Billy thought, well, if we do, then this new servant should be the one who go gets the fucking horses every night. He wanted to establish a servant hierarchy, and he thinks himself every bit as much of a gentleman as his master, because apparently the requirements to being a gentleman involve stealing and drinking a lot. When they finally arrive at their destination for the night, the master turns and is like, you know, Billy... I'm going to turn a thousand years old tomorrow. God bless us, exclaimed Billy. Will you really? The little man was like, hey, don't say that shit. Don't, you know, that'll be my downfall. You can't say stuff like that. But yes, a thousand years. The big one zero zero. Zero. I think it's about time to settle down and get married. Some guys just need a little extra time before they're ready. Little man continues, that's why I've dragged us all the way out here. For in that house, there is a young Darby Riley, who's going to be married to Bridget Rooney, so apparently Darby is the guy. Well, Bridget is tall and beautiful and comes from a good family, so I'm thinking maybe I should marry her myself, you know, instead of this fucking loser. The man wanted to make sure the girl he was about to kidnap came from a good family. "'What about Darby Riley?' asked Billy, who apparently focused on the rival love interest and not the kidnapping aspect of the story. "'Shut up,' said the little man. "'I don't pay you to ask questions.' So they said the magic words and pulled through the keyhole and landed sitting on the beams running across the ceiling. Little man sat perfectly still, completely comfortable in his hunched position. Billy, well, I mean, Billy tried. He didn't have the balance or the endurance for it, so he was he struck was and struggling.' Below them, the guests of the wedding were having a a nice dinner. The priest and Piper sat along with Darby's parents and brothers. And there were Bridget's parents and four sisters and three brothers. You know, eight fucking kids because they're Irish Catholics, so they had a tendency to over-reproduce. They all sat around the dinner table, and the bride sneezed. No one made a sound. They were all sitting waiting for the priest to say, God bless us. None of them wanted to take the words out of his mouth. It was his right as the priest to say it. Blessing people tended to fall within his jurisdiction. But the priest was already stuffing his face with pig and couldn't be bothered to do his job. It's not like young boys were involved, so he wasn't jumping at the opportunity to be involved. So everyone just kind of ignored it and went on with the party. The little man was ecstatic. He's like, yes, I've almost got her. If she sneezes twice more and no one says God bless us, well, then she's mine. Because tiny 1,000-year-old men have really fucking weird rules about marriage. Bridget sneezes a second time, and it's so quiet that nobody even seems to notice except the little man who at this point is salivating because it'll only take one more sneeze. Billy McDaniel is starting to feel bad for the girl. Bridget is young and beautiful. She's 19 years old. She's about to be whisked away from her wedding to the man who she loves and her family, who is celebrating around her, to be taken by an ugly 1,000-year-old douchebag. So when she sneezes the third time, Billy shouts at the top of his lungs, God save us. Imagine being at this party, and the ceiling just starts shouting because no one said bless you after a sneeze. Little man throws an absolute fit. He's like, that's it, Billy. I discharge you from my service, then kicks him in the chest, sending Billy sprawling onto the unsuspecting dinner guests, who must have been all real fucking surprised that this random dude just fell from the ceiling. Like, this random dude that couldn't control himself but to say bless you after a sneeze. What could have been going through their minds at the time? Also, of all the ways his service could have ended, being absolved of your obligation as a slave because you saved some poor girl from marrying this magical asshole is a pretty good way to go about it. So Billy quickly explains to everyone his tale, and everyone is just like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Leprechauns are douchebags. The priest marries the young couple, and Billy is allowed to stay at the party to dance and drink of which he focuses entirely on the drinking because he hasn't learned a single lesson at the end of all of this. And he isn't concerned with things like bettering himself. Folks, I think Billy might be an alcoholic. So that's it for the episode. If you enjoyed, please like and subscribe. Let me know of anything you'd like to hear about in the future. I also have an Instagram at Awesome and Monsters and a Twitter at MythOTD.